welcome, welcome, welcome. I thought it was because it was the cure. The cure. I kind of need a cure today. Yeah, what's wrong? I woke up. I think I've been waiting until Friday to get sick, honestly. Like my body was saying, you can't get sick until the end of the week. And my body knew it was Friday this morning and I woke up like in a different state. It was not good. <laughs> yeah. And I was supposed to be out at a party with you last night. Well, let's just call no. it a party. What happened? <laughs> I was sick, dude. I Maybe I'm the smart one who uh, went to sleep like at 7.30 while you were out, 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 out. Out, out. So uh, are you okay? Oh, yes. I'll be just fine. Weather and air pressure has me in a perpetual mild headache. Blah. Mm. Yes. Jessica, I've been sick all week. Uh, Jess is just getting sick. She and I were just comparing our bottles of well, <laughs> Wellness formula, <laughs> a little advertising for Source Naturals. It works really well. Um, right. Or it usually works works really, really well. And uh, yes, and we're supposed to get some snow here in Minnesota, aren't we? Finally. Winter is joining the party. Are the uh, girls excited? They're incredibly excited. They love winter. Uh, they're disappointed in the lack of snow so far. Uh, so they're pumped. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Digital Meetup, um, Friday, January 12th, 2024. Great to be here today and really excited about our guest today, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, but for those of you that um, don't know, we always start the same way with the same kind of rituals, quote unquote. Um, let's start with a hello. And is anyone new here? Um, if anyone's new, please let us know in the chat. We promise we're not going to haze you or anything like that. But out of 3,541 people, there's always some newbies. So if you're new, hi, Leah. Good to see you. Uh, uh, Leah, sorry that I stood you up for lunch last week. <laughs> uh, I didn't, I mean, this week, sorry, I didn't stand you up. I had to leave early. Um, apologies that we didn't get to have lunch. I promise you we will. Um, uh, sorry, I got, I lost track when I saw Leia there. Um, so for those of you that are new, let us know that you're new. Please put your LinkedIn address in the chat so that we can connect. Uh, that would be great. The next thing we always do in the community is talk about how we are. Uh, and we always do a green, yellow, red. Hey, green, I feel great today. Yellow, so-so, red, not so good. Um, let us know how you are. Type in green, yellow, red. We're not. This isn't a scientific poll. No one's going to call you. You're not going to get any spam texts or anything like that. Um, but it's really just making sure that you get an opportunity to truly talk about yourself and uh, and uh, also get an opportunity to share with the community how you are, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, Taylor's here. Hi, Taylor. John, uh, Heidi. Leo, Sarah, we've got some yellows. We got some yellows in the room today. Lots of moving parts. Everyone's busy. Uh, I was just having this conversation with someone a few minutes ago that I think that uh, you know everything that bottled up at the end of December, as far as not getting started, is now getting started early in uh, in uh, January. So um, I think we're uh, we're here. We're in. It's twenty twenty four. Hi, yeah. Suzanne. Nice to see the green sham. Are those shamrocks? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, Tara Cooper's got to be flexing on the Michigan yeah, Wolverines. It's great to be a Michigan. Yeah, we mm-hmm. won't go into all of that. Uh, hi, Alicia. Hi, Suzanne. Good to uh, good to see you guys. Good to see mostly greens. For those of you that are yellow or red, um, please reach out. Um, hopefully, there's some things that uh, someone in the community can do, or if there's things you want to share or talk about, um, please let us know. Taylor, thanks for putting your LinkedIn address there. Um, everyone should connect with Taylor as well as others that put their, uh, their LinkedIn addresses as well. Um, uh, all right. Sharon's back to green. Awesome. Kendra. Oh, Kendra. I am so, I am so excited. Kendra's here. I'm actually headed to Charlotte in two weeks, three weeks, two and a half weeks. And I'm so excited. I'm going to get to see Kendra live. Like I guarantee I'm going to see her live. If I have to sit there and wait for her since we've, Every time I'm, we're supposed to be in the same place, we never are. So um, <laughs> it'd be good to get there. Um, Jess, we always talk about one big thing. Um, yeah. One big thing this week. I know you and I have been like ships passing on the night. We did get to do one thing this week together, but that, I'm sure that wasn't the most exciting part of your week. Oh, it's been a fun week. Um, okay, can I share two? <laughs> two big things. Yeah, because I usually share two and I ask for one. Yeah. You can take two, of course. Kendra refuses to be stood up, by the way. <laughs> uh, two big things. The thing, the, the big party that you missed last night was the year-end board meeting for Diverse Daisies, the nonprofit that I lead. We provide empowerment and enrichment for girls. It's a local organization. Maybe one day I'll franchise it. Uh, and so the board meeting last night, I prepared an impact review. An impact review. I wanted to share what we did, what we accomplished, uh, how much money did we raise, how many girls did we impact, uh, and it was it was so powerful. I mean, we're just a small but mighty little nonprofit here in Minneapolis, um, but the stories that I shared and the impact I I, I shared with our board members uh, was around 43 girls whose lives were positively changing forever, forever through the work that we're doing every single day. And of course, I think about everything as it relates to work. I thought, why don't we prepare like impact statements? Why don't we do an impact review for ourselves and for our teams? Like we all did an incredible amount of work, good work. We're changing people's lives every single day through the work we do. It's just a reframing. Uh, So I wanted to share that. That was really fun to share with our board. Um, And it was really... um, uplifting to look back at the year that we did uh, together for girls ages 11 to 15, like literally the coming of age years are the most important years for these girls. Uh, Yes, thank you. That was our year in review. Uh, And then we did 2024 planning, which was incredibly exciting. So that's one thing. The other thing, Jason, is I realized my daughter Ainsley, who's 14 years old, is probably a change management expert. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why. I picked her up from school. She asked me if we could have a homework date the other day because she needs help writing an essay. And we all know how hard storytelling can be, but uh, but like starting from scratch and creating like, I have a story I want to tell. I'm not sure how to tell it. And now I have to shape it and and put some structure around it. That's the help she needed. And as I heard her working through her outline, she had a concept and she had a little bit of a start. As I heard her working through her outline, she said, 
mom, I think I need to take out that detail or that character because I'm not sure I can get everybody up the mountain and back down again. And I said, what? I'm a storyteller at heart. I've never heard. She said, well, I'm building my plot mountain and I'm not sure I can get everybody and everything up it and back down the other side. And I thought, oh my God. Again, I think of everything as it relates to work. That's change management. Like I wish every transformation leader everywhere would think about that concept. Can you get everybody up the mountain and back down successfully? I absolutely loved that analogy. And now you're going to hear me talk about plot mountains. <laughs> Those are my two things. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Um, you know, I had a, um, a really interesting uh, session on Monday of this week in Atlanta. Um, actually, on Tuesday, excuse me. Um, with a huge organization that's going through a massive transformation. They're the second largest restaurant company in the world, um, Inspire Brands. Some of you know them, some of you don't, um, but you know their brands, Buffalo Wild Wings, Arby's, Sonic, Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins. Um, and I'll just tell you one thing, the culture in that place made me so happy. Um, for an organization that uh, deals with 650,000 employees on a global basis. Um, they're amazing. So um, the combination of seeing the culture in that organization, uh, listening to their CEO, their CHRO, and then being able to present to them uh, the concepts of an unlearning mindset. Um, for those of you that don't follow me on LinkedIn, I posted a quick video, which it happened to be pouring rain that morning on my way to Atlanta or on my way to the meeting of how important unlearning is and how it's really my theme for 2024 and everything that I'm talking about. Um, so a great, great session there. And um, just some of the feedback afterwards and listening to people talk about how excited they are for 2024 and what it's gonna mean to the HR function was really um, uplifting. Um, and then I had the opportunity to um, do a lot of preparation for next week, next week, um, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be on this show next week um, or I'm going to be from somewhere. But uh, next week I am in uh, Germany, France and Switzerland, um, uh, you know, culminating it with the Davos event uh, next week, the World Economic Forum and really uh, a great dinner there with a bunch of CHROs talking about some of the bigger trends going on in in HR. So um just some of the pre-work in that has really, I, I love to see the focus on mental health. Mm. I love to see the focus on well-being, And I, I love to see the focus on the employee of the center of everything that people are talking about. Uh, it's everywhere. It's everything that people are talking about. Um, yep. So I don't, I mean, cost is an issue and cost cutting is an issue. It's always an issue as organizations are commercial, but hearing people talk about employees as humans, um, is really, really rewarding. And to, mm. to see that being a center stage of that event is exciting to me. So just wanted to share those two things. I love that. Um, so the uh, other thing that I think was really, really interesting this week that happened in a not, it just from a technical standpoint, and I hope some of you have had the opportunity to do this, is to check out uh, ChatGPT and ChatGPT opened up their GPT store. Mm. And I highly encourage you, for those of you that haven't, to check out the GPT store. And 
what's something we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about in our AI forum uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, but the GPT store, and for those of you that haven't do it, done it, and maybe we should do one of these sessions to just build a GPT, but to build your own GPT is so powerful. And I highly encourage you to do it. If you just go to ChatGPT and say, I want to build a GPT and build a GPT to focus on how do you help girls like Jess helps as part of Diverse Daisies? And what would you do? Or build a GPT to help your kid with homework. Or build a GPT to help solve some of your issues that you're having, no matter what they might be. It's so, so powerful. So I highly encourage you to do that. And in fact, Jess, we should plan in the next week or two. Let's build some together in the community here. Okay. Um, I know we've got a full schedule, but let's try to spend some time to educate some people on some of these tools as well that are out there. But I've been having a blast and I, I built one on mental health um, that I'm not quite ready to share. And you guys, I got a couple emails. That's why I was, while Jess mm -hmm. was sharing her change management story, I apologize that we didn't, uh, that for somehow people missed the link uh, this week's meetup, but um, try the GP. Try building some GPTs. Uh, the whole concept of unlearning. Just give it a try, and just try something that you. I, Steve, build a GPT to prepare for doing a cold water plunge. Right. Uh, it's amazing to see what uh, to see what happens and to see where this technology is. So I am excited to bring on our guest. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Jess, maybe while we do that, um, you can do a quick introduction of Anita, and, um, and then we'll go ahead and get her started. Oh, yeah. hey, before we do that, I have to play her walk-in song. Ooh, please do. You know her walk-in song? Do you know? I think you know it, don't you? I do know it. It's a good, okay. good pick. We're going to see if anyone can guess. Anita, that oh, is a powerful song. Great song. I think that's the theme song for Diverse Daisies, honestly. <laughs> I love that, Anita. Anita, I have to ask before we introduce you, how did you pick that song? Well, I just saw someone who was adding it to their running playlist, and this is on mine. And I already saw you. You cannot sit still when you hear this song. It's, it's activating. It's, well, so when uh, your producer asked me for a song, this one came to mind right away. Oh, I love it. I love it. Welcome, Anita. I have to admit, um, I have I have the distinct pleasure of um, like Anita, this. Anita, she has a girl crush on you. That's what I she's do. About, that's what she's she knows about. To what say. I'm about to say. Yes, that's what she's it, about to say. Because we have this community and this platform, I get to follow through on my girl crushes and say, "Can you be a speaker? Can you please come on with us? Can you be a guest?" Sure. I've been following you for a while because of the things that you talk about. Pay equity being one of them. Yeah. Uh, but also just all of your future of work stuff and the way you follow investment trends. Like you're, you are such a thoughtful contributor on LinkedIn. And I thank you for that. And I'm so excited that you're here to talk with our community today. Yeah, that's a, thank you for that, uh, for that intro. Yeah. I'm so um, LinkedIn is one of my favorite social media channels just because you can actually have a thoughtful conversation with your peers there. And what I find there is that even if people do not agree, 
with me, they do so very politely and I learn something from that. And I don't think there's any other social media channel where you can have that type of conversation. And then of course, LinkedIn is full of HR and payroll professionals. So it's an excellent medium for everyone that is here. And Anita, every time we do these shows, people send me weird, not weird, but comments. And I just got a live comment from Brian Summer, who said, say howdy to Anita for me. Oh, hi, Brian. So uh, he's definitely watching. Uh, so Anita, where are you from? Tell us about yourself, your background, and how you got into the space. Yeah, absolutely. So I live in the Netherlands. I am Dutch, but I have lived in Germany and in the United States. And um, throughout my career, I have had the opportunity to work around the world. So um, so not only in a lot of places, but also with people from a lot of places. Um, originally, I am an engineer and I was doing all kinds of network design and architecture. And then um, I got in touch with someone from back then, Arinzo, which later became NGAHR. And they said, well, you know, we're going into this whole self-service portal type of stuff and we need someone who can figure it out for us. So can you come work for us? I was like, um, no, it's HR. Uh, how exciting can that be? But ultimately I did join. They were very convincing. Um, well, and almost 25 years later, here I am. Um, spent close to 20 years with NGA. And then in 2019, shortly before the pandemic, um, Alight acquired the company and um, I decided that that had, you know, the 19 years with a company is a career and it was a career in my case. And I wanted to see if I can make it on my own, which was like this secret wish. Uh, and so um, I did, became an independent and it has been very good for me. So I work about half of my time as a speaker and the other half of my time, I either work with HR tech vendors, often very young HR tech vendors, mm -hmm. um, or with companies who want some sort of solution and, and need my help. And you do that by studying the market, studying the space. And so you put out, is it the, the report that you just issued uh, is an annual report and we'll talk about it, about it in a second. Mm -hmm. Are there other things, reports and things? I, do you have a newsletter people should join? Is there anything else that you put out as sort of your, your anchor that people should know about and go like immediately download? Yeah, or buy. I've, I've written two books. Um, two years ago, I wrote a book about uh, payroll just because mm -hmm. I noticed that too many payroll projects went wrong. And... Mm -hmm. Obviously, that has enormous consequences for the employees involved. So I thought, if I can educate the buyers a little better, that helps everyone. So that was the first book I wrote. And then last year, I noticed that with the with you know increasing pay transparency legislation, but especially with the European Pay Directive, Pay Transparency Directive, um, people are unaware of what is coming. And companies in the EU will have to report by 2027 on the gender pay gap. Um, so I decided to write a book about that as well and just help people through the whole thing. Like, how do you run this project? What do you need to do? How can you bridge a gap before you have to report? Which is very important, of course, when you, when you think about uh, employees. 
Um, so I'm currently doing a lot of education on this whole equal pay, pay transparency uh, topic. Mm. I love it. <clears throat> I, I like that. Fix it before you make it transparent. I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a reckoning moment because yeah. even fixing it before you have to report it, you have to have a lot of internal conversations around, shouldn't you have known these gaps existed? Shouldn't there have been measures in place already? Yeah. Um, so there's there's some work to be done uh, to not only investigate and sort of remedy any potential issues there are, but then to sort of, you know, make maybe rebuild trust, maybe make up some ground in terms of why uh, we haven't made this progress already. So, yeah, yeah, I think you raised a good point because being very open and transparent about it. So you mentioned change early, earlier. This project absolutely needs top-notch change management because you need to be very precise about all of this. It's people's salaries, always touchy, uh, always a touchy topic. Um, and your whole management team needs to be educated as well, starting from the top all the way to the bottom. If you do not communicate well, this is this will go horribly wrong. Yeah. Speaking of the storytelling mountain I described earlier, you're going to have yes. to get a lot of people up the mountain and back down again. Jason, what were you going to add? So, Anita, one of the things, I don't know if you saw, but we shared an example of um, Jess's organization and impact and the yeah. impact that Diverse Daisies has had on the community over the period of time. And I just had the opportunity earlier on today to be part of a pod, to record a podcast. Uh, with another industry friend of ours, David Turetsky. And, um, you know, as part of that, we were talking a lot about impact. And Anita, I'm curious as to how you feel based on your studies that we've actually, sometimes it's hard when you're living in the moment to see the needle move. Mm -hmm. But you've been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. I'm curious as to your thoughts on have we moved the needle? And by the, by the way, I'm also curious on from our community's thoughts of if we've moved the needle, because, you know, we're starting to see, right. I mean, the headlines, as you know, media, 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 you know, people are starting to give up on DEI, you know, people are starting to give up on some of these things, which is discouraging to me to see those headlines. So I'd love your thoughts just on overall impact on things like pay equity as, as the example. Yeah. So, I I'm still very hopeful about this whole topic simply because I know that you have these high profile companies that make headlines but I think if you look under if you if you go one step deeper within companies there's a lot of work going on with companies that will not make the news but that are, that are still adopting the why um or a DUI culture or, or that are doing these types of activities. I also think that um, like with the whole work from home, work from the office debate, you see this a lot more in the United States than you see this across the world. I live in Europe. It's much less a topic of debate here than it is uh, in the United States, probably also because we don't have a lot of those high profile CEOs who are in the news with their remarks all the time, right? Um, 
I think I'm on the board of a university for applied sciences here in the Netherlands. So I speak often with students. And what I do find encouraging is that the way that they look at being treated equally is not the way that I look at it. So for them, it is much less a topic of conversation than it was for me when I first entered the workforce as an IT engineer in IT companies. Um, and so even though we haven't made the progress that I hoped we would have made by now, we are making progress because this conversation is much more normalized than it was. Look, I was the only one bringing up the topic 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Now everyone is talking about it and it's become almost a non-issue. Yeah, of course we do pay people equally here. And yes, there is this law to get us back on track. Um, but I hardly hear anyone debate the merits of the directive. And mm -hmm. I think that's already a step forward. Mm -hmm. Totally agree with that. And I'm curious as to your, um, you know, the research that you've done and mm -hmm. some of the companies you work with, like, are, are there solutions? Because, you know, once again, on that same podcast, we were talking about data. And this is all data we're talking about here. But, you know, if you think about, let's say, a, I'm just going to pick on generative AI, just because it's what I've been picking on all day today. You know, could I just type something in and say, hey, make my organization equitable? No. <laughs> so, about these these personalized GPTs, and um, I I do use ChatGPT, and I have a paid subscription, and I use it a lot when I'm thinking about what is the best he headline for this article. Give me ten suggestions, and I'll pick one. It is not very good, and I'd say HR and especially in payroll content. If you ask it for something, you get something that is extremely gen generic. Um, and I always discard it because it's, I mean, it's very old fashioned. It does not, it, it's not on a pulse of now. It will probably tell you what the project needs to look like. I think it can do that very well. I don't think it will tell you a lot about uh, this whole change management issue that I just mentioned. Um, and, and, and help you there. So broadly structuring the project, yes, probably it can tell you very, in, very well which steps you need to follow. But then when it comes to specifics, and especially with this, the devil is in the details. Um, I don't think it's in there. Okay. Um, Steve, just so you know, ChatGPT 4.0 is available. I, actually, I believe it's available. Um, oh, it's been, I've, I've had it since January. I know, they, I know they got full, so they put a wait list on. But Steve, they also just introduced a great product this week, which I'm not going to talk about right now. It's on a podcast that I'm coming out with tomorrow called Teams, which actually allows three or four or five people to be part of a group and keep all that data private as well. Um, so, But I'll talk more about that going forward. Anyway, um, let's talk about the funding report um, because... Yes. I think there's a lot of people on this call that are interested in the types of funding going on mm -hmm. and what people are building. You know, you said you're advising a lot of yeah. young companies. Um, 
can you talk about what you're seeing there? I mean, is and I, I'm going to say something with a bit of sarcasm. Is there a workday replacement on the quarter mm -hmm. that all of a sudden everyone's going to say, oh, time to get rid of my core HCM and go to a new HCM again? Or are we kind of done with that for a while, which I'm hoping your answer is the latter. Um, and I think to know, Anita, did the market perform as you expected it to perform last year? It did. It did. It did. Yeah. So, so broad picture here in um, over the last three years, 2021, it was 12 billion and something. Last year, it was 10. This year, it's 4.6 in total. Um, also, if you look at it, last year, we had like four, 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 410 um, rounds. This year was only 275, mm. uh, which is broadly in line with the whole market and had a couple of reasons. Um, several wars, interest rates are up, um, as is inflation. And so that means that always means that investors pull back. Um, we've seen that they're much more focused on fundamentals before they want to invest. So it, does a company have revenue? Do they have a path to profit? And then they will invest. And obviously, up until the beginning of this year, profit was not a conversation that came up very often when when you when I was talking to uh, to startups. Um, but that is uh, that is back. So the market has pulled back which is totally in line with the overall investment market. If you look at FinTech or what, it, it doesn't matter which industry you look at, it is all down, except for AI, uh, obviously. And um, I think what is not a surprise is that, or maybe it's for you, uh, but I don't know. Um, ATM and pay suites are always, or since I started doing this, always take the top position. Also this year, out of that 4.6 billion, 1.8 uh, went to uh, HCM suites and pay. But there was something very interesting this year compared to last year. So in the two prior years, a lot of money went to um, companies that provide EOR services to, to pay the global workforce, right? You know them. Um, I'm not sure. Am I allowed to name brands as examples here? Or... <laughs> sure. They'd be happy to hear that they're... You know, think about Oyster, HRD, Omnipresent, all of those, right? They pay your global workforce and they take all that, um, um, all, the, all the legislative problems away uh, from you. Um, this year, when you look at that ATM um, category, Almost all of that money went to new local HR suites. And in that sense, um, Jason, to answer your question, are we seeing a workday competitor? Not at the global level, but certainly at the local level. I see a lot more of those. And the interesting thing there, I think, is also that they start with one country, but in their design, they're already counting on the fact that they will roll out or add additional payrolls for adjacent countries. So you'll you'll see companies develop a solution for, I don't know, Nigeria or so in Africa, and then add support for Kenya and some other countries that are in that mid-African um, region. Uh, the other thing that was interesting was that um, up so, so the 
many startups, when they are ready to raise funds, um, they move to the U.S. or they move their headquarters to the U.S. because obviously there is a very good investment climate there and it's easier to um, um, to, to uh, get in touch with VCs and ask for money. The portion of US-based funding is going down as well. So this year, 61% of funding rounds was completed outside of the US. And in the past, it was the other way around. It was 61% in the US and only 39% outside. So we see that moving um, to, um, to a glo more global investment climate for that is conducive to uh, HR and payroll companies. When you said um, with the exception, everything was down with the exception of AI, how are we seeing that play out? Um, so at the moment we only, so what I mentioned was um, generic AI companies, right? In Mistral in France or in open AI or, or, or all of that. Um, within the HR space, AI, uh, didn't play a, a big role. Um, it did get a lot of traction in talent acquisition solutions, but it has always been part of mm -hmm. ATSs and, and screening and video interviewing and, and, and all that. So um, there it was very prominent. In the other categories, it did not play much of a role. Um, even though those, but, but it's in line with what I see from other press releases, right? Big announcements around, oh, we're, we're now having generative AI in our solution, but more than a chatbot is, is not available. So I don't think that we'll see a lot of mind-blowing AI um, appear shortly, simply because it's more difficult to, to develop. Um, even though I did see one interesting um, company that is using AI to create a junior HR persona. So instead of focusing on the, on the employee side, they're thinking about this from a back office perspective. Um, and what does a junior HR persona do and how can we use um, generative AI to replace that person? And I thought that was the most interesting um, approach I had actually seen because I think that's the right one focusing on the back office of HR not on the employee interaction so much one of the things I thought was interesting um, I was just reading Bob's comment I want to make sure I get to it not close enough to payroll to understand why this is a hot area bullish on e EOR and can you can Anita can you explain EOR so I guarantee that there's there's some people that don't understand what it is and why it's important. Yeah. Um, uh, Jess and I had an opportunity to work with one of our partners, Atlas, um, earlier this week um, mm -hmm. in speaking at one of their, um, which is a great provider in this space, but would love for you to explain a little about the EOR space. Yeah. So EOR is an employee of record. And when, as a company, you move to a new country, it's often um, prohibitive from a cost perspective to set up a legal entity if you don't know if you are going to succeed. And so it is easier to let someone else hire that employee and contract them and put them on payroll. And 
you basically tell them what to do. So the work relationship is with you, but the contractual relationship is with an EOR vendor. And typically what companies do is as they succeed in their business um, rollout, um, ultimately they will move to a, leg- to a legal entity and add payroll um, because EOR services are costly. And so when you get to the 15, 20 employee mark, it's better to move them onto your own payroll and contract uh, directly with them. Thank you for that. And then to add uh, to Bob's question, HCM and payroll see the most investment. And and his question is why payroll? Uh, Or maybe you can say why HCM and payroll always see the most investment. I think because they're, especially outside of the United States, it's an underserved market. And a lot of these countries or a lot of businesses in these countries are too small to buy a Workday or a SuccessFactors or an Oracle. Um, But some of these economies are growing very rapidly and that means that businesses need more support than is currently available. And that's an opportunity for these vendors to really move into those markets and start helping businesses with the support that they need at the local level um, that they cannot get from a global HR suite. Alea just mentioned she's used a company called Unitera Sintra Global um, as an EOR provider, which there, there's quite a few of them out there. So um, I, I also think, Anita, it's a great way to expand talent pools. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know. It, not just if I'm looking to go to a market and see if it works, but if I need to hire someone a, a unique skill, but I don't have a legal entity in that country, how could I hire that talent without having a legal entity? I think it's a very unique way of doing that. Yeah, and most of the EOR vendors will also um, help you with paying independence, right? And then you get more into the talent pool situation. Yep. One of the things in your report you mentioned was on the services side, starting to see some declines in certain areas of services. Um, and yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know what, if you feel, if you found it interesting or not, and not the type of services that help Jess wipe her nose like she just did on the video. Sorry, I just had to call that out for all of you podcast I'm listeners. I'm going to make it through this, I promise. Yeah, I think she's about ready to go to bed. Um, but... Uh, why do you see those services start to change? Um, during the pandemic, a lot of funding went to companies that helped with talent management and mental health. And already in the second half of last year, I saw that starting to shift. And Um, I heard you talk about mental health earlier, um, Jess, but what has been um, absolutely clear is that investors are funding more and more companies that deal with the administrative and the financial side of the uh, employer-employer relationship. And that means that, for instance, um, financial health solutions that help employees with their spending, but also a lot of these earned wage access providers got a lot of interest and 
um, if you look at um, if you look at it from a, so so what I do is I look at it as a whole, but I also look at it per funding category. And then you have seed rounds for a very young companies, and you have series A, B through D for the for companies that have already done a round. But when you look at the seed rounds, um, especially benefits stood out. And what was interesting there is that it's not health benefits, but it's very specific benefits. For instance, um, mobility. Um, so help people with just, you know, door-to-door -door travel. Um, but also, for instance, um, benefits in a sense of uh, reproduction services um, or bereavement services. So very specific benefits that employers can make available to employees just um, to, to help them get things done that in the past would have been part of their private life, right? They, employers would not fund that, but they do now. Um, and I think that comes back a little bit to what you mentioned earlier, Jason. There, despite everything that we see, there is still a lack of talent. And employers are trying to get their heads around, what can I offer people so they actually come work for me, not the competition, uh, and benefits. And, and new ways to compensate people tie into that story, I think. Anita, at the end of 2023, we did an analyst um, panel and commented on what went down. What pro We made our own impact statement, I guess you could mm -hmm. say, on 2023. Did we make progress? Did we solve the right problems? Do we have the right providers working against the right things? Uh, and Jim Hollinchek on our team made a comment that I still think about. Like I can't get it out of my head. He said, I think we're at the, uh, we kind of graded ourselves or like the HR tech providers in the space. And he gave a low grade, not because of anything in particular HR technology providers are doing or not doing. He just thinks we're barely at the cusp of what's possible. We're not even building, we're not yet building the kinds of like truly innovative industry changing solutions we might be. And I think that's really interesting um, to think about that we our innovation cycles are sort of like adding features, adding functionality against, you know, sort of basic platform capabilities. And that are what do you think about that? And if we were to build something like truly mind-blowing, game-changing, industry changing, like we don't even think of it as HR tech because HR tech is too narrow. What do you think that is? I think that, so one of the things that I focus on when I, when, or, or that I started to focus on probably 18 months ago um, was this whole financial situation of employees. And that was because I read an article about FinTech that I thought was super profound. And what it made me realize is that, for instance, from a payroll perspective, you look at the payroll run, and then when you put that money in the bank, that's the end of your run. And you, I mean, there's a next month, and so you look at next month's run. But what we fail to realize, and I've been talking about that a lot, is that actually that is the start. That's only the start for employees. Mm -hmm. And so if we cut that in half, and don't think about the whole process. We're selling ourselves shorts as employers, but, but we also selling um, 
our employees short because if we manage that whole process from starting a payroll cycle until far beyond what we do today, I think we can make a much or develop a much more seamless transaction or, or process for everyone involved. And I think it's the same from an HR perspective. We've always, vendors have always been very focused on the on, on the back end, so helping the HR professional. And then the whole employee experience thing came along and we started to think about, okay, yeah, absolutely true. We have clients and they are employees and we need to, to serve them as well. But we have not fundamentally rethought that from front or from back to front end um, and, and how can we make this more seamless? And a lot of the um, very young founders that I meet actually come from the other side. They were so frustrated with HR delivery that they put this whole thing upside down and start to think about it from the other side. And so then the reason that they come and ask me is because I can help them understand what needs to happen at the back end. But I think in the next couple of years, we will see some really interesting solutions come um, to market where also maybe the, um, the functional focus, like this is HR, this is IT, this is finance. And as an employee, you need to know where, you know, where to drop your question. Obviously, that's nonsense. I work for this company. I have a question. I need to be able to ask it irrespective of how this company is organized internally. Right. And going forward, that will be a big change. Yeah, I know Jason will double click on that one. <laughs> yeah, Anita, I totally agree with you. And I'm doing a lot of work on this concept of intent and what's the employee's intent. And their yeah. intent is not to know how the organization is structured. Their intent is to get an answer and to get something done. Um, you know, it, my, my question is, is, how do you think that that affects organizations who are in the middle of, I mean, we have a lot of organizations that are asking, like, why do we pay so much for one of the big vendors? Mm -hmm. You know, why, like, why are we paying all this money when that's not the tool that's going to provide the employee experience long term? Um, I'm just curious if you're seeing that, A. And then the other question I just wanted to pepper in to make sure we get it covered is, you know, I, I don't see a lot of differences outside the U.S. versus inside the U.S. And I'll take it in your approach, outside Europe versus inside Europe. It's, you know, it seems like everyone's almost in the same place today, where 10 years ago, you know, we'd say, hey, there were some people that were in the cloud, some people not in the cloud. Do you see a big difference geographically? Maybe we can take the first one first. I know those are two big questions. I always <laughs> think right at the end and it drives Jess crazy. So, yeah. I think what I'm seeing here, and so yeah, so if, if you, let's say the enterprise market is saturated, right? They have all made their choice, one of the three, maybe four large vendors, and they're going to stick with them for a while because they invested all that money. They finally have something that works for them. I don't think they will, uh, they will leave. What is interesting to watch is this whole mid-market space because this mid-market has options. They can either go with one of the big vendors because they are obviously now focusing on the mid-market, um, but they can also 
they have options that are more regional now that they did not have in the past because a lot of these young regional players have developed cloud solutions. And so um, they are um, they are moving full steam ahead. And they also have a, I would say, a, a cost perspective or, or a cost base that is much more manageable for these smaller companies than one of the large global vendors. So that is where I think um, the disruption will be and then of course the very tiny companies but they typically don't use advisors they just pick a cloud solution everything in is in the cloud these days when it comes to hcm which also means that you can change reasonably quickly um i was just actually thinking about that because i had my newsletter with one provider and some bad news came out and so so i had to move it and actually i could move it in a week it was and it wasn't a lot of work. I was thinking about how easy would it, or in future, could we make it so easy that we could move from A to B uh, from an HCM perspective? I don't think so, but um, not as long as we have uh, payroll. Um, and then your second question was um, regional differences. Yeah. Do you mean from a solution perspective or from a from a more from a service delivery perspective? Just more from a how people are thinking. I mean, do you think that there's a big difference in needs out, you know, in one region versus the other? Or do you think most people are in in kind of in the same place? Um I so when you look at the United States and Europe, especially I'm going to say the Western half of Europe, I think it's fairly similar. What happens in the United States will cross the Atlantic and then it will first move into the UK, Netherlands, Scandinavia, and then move, uh, move down. If you move into different parts of the world where there were, you know, especially when you look at emerging markets, the needs can be very different in the sense that compensation benefits, the financial side plays a much more important role than anything else. Um, so it depends very much on, on local market circumstances, I would say, where the focus, uh, where the focus is. Um, what we will almost all have in common, especially in the Northern hemisphere, is that we have more jobs than people. And it doesn't look like um, AI will replace us shortly, maybe five to 10 years out, but not in the short term. Um, so that whole dynamic in the employer-employee relationship has shifted. Uh, and I don't see that changing very quickly. I, I do a lot of um, keynotes on the workforce, actually, and I show people, you know, um, just demographic overviews of who is leaving and who is uh, moving into the job market. And you already can see, you know, very quickly that the numbers don't work. They simply don't work. We don't have enough young people and we have way too many people leaving the workforce. Um, that is totally different for LATAM, Africa, and, and some parts of Asia, not all parts, but... Um, so I, I think that's a big factor in the next or in this decade, actually. Um, yeah, I I love it when we, when you say something like this, and we have three minutes to go. I would oh. say that 
No, because I just want to jump on this one. I love talking about labor shortage. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I do, because I would argue that we're probably not solving the problem in all the ways it could be solved. Is this really a headcount issue or or is this a work design issue? I was literally in a briefing this morning and the stat is legit and valid. I can find the mm -hmm. source, but we spend two hours a day trying to find stuff versus getting work done. We do frictionful work. And mm -hmm. I would also argue that there are huge segments of the labor market who are underemployed, underrepresented. Like, I don't know that we've done a good job activating and making people fully effective at work. And maybe work isn't designed all that well. And so mm -hmm. we keep talking about where are all the people, where are all the people. Maybe we can solve it from the other direction as well. Um, and I, I would think, yeah, I think we have to. You have you have a great point, right? Um, we can definitely make work more effective. And uh, especially, you know, when you look at white collar jobs, um, some automation or RPA or whatever um, can play a big role in saving people uh, time. But as an example, um, in my country, 60,000 people are leaving the workforce every year for the next 10 years that are not being replaced. So that means that, and, and we obviously don't have, <laughs> we don't have a workforce the size of the United States. There's 18 million people living here in this country. So that is a huge amount of people. And, and we currently have um, like 1.5 vacancies for every person that is unemployed. That is untenable. We cannot do this uh, for a very long time um and and so for certain geographies the automation required will not be quick enough um mm -hmm. we have at the moment real gaps yeah i'll i'll let you uh grab zach's question if you'd like to close what are the major market drivers driving decision making purchase decisions any From, comments or insights on that? In technology decisions and purchasing decisions, uh, you sort of talked about whether, you know, when you're a big enterprise, there's fewer options, mid-market, lots of options. What do you think the big drivers are? I think when you look at enterprise clients, by now they have this idea that, look, all of these solutions are fairly similar. So it's maybe personal preference. I often... Um, you know, when, when you, I often hear when you do RFPs and then the HR director switches, you can throw the whole thing out because they were the client of this company and they move into a new company and they will continue that relationship. So it's not always as factual as you might, uh, as you might think. Yeah. Um, what I do see a lot of them do is just reach out to someone that they know very well and talk to them about, you know, what do you use? Are you happy? So um, I would not underestimate the amount of conversation that goes on behind the scenes that as a vendor, you might not be aware of, but these HR directors meet each other everywhere and they have roundtables and all kinds of stuff. And they talk about this. How's the service? Would you do this again? Um, so that that happens unbeknownst to you, but it does, um, it does mean a lot. And, yeah. um, so, so these references, worth of mouth, 
Um, so make sure that when you're a vendor, uh, that your clients are happy and then they will sell for you. I think that is underestimated by a lot of uh, service providers, solution providers, how much yeah, people- Yeah, that's a great point. Oh, Anita, thank you so much for giving us a sneak peek of your report. Again, everybody should follow Anita on LinkedIn, such great content and insights always, and your newsletter as well. Uh, what a pleasure having you. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, asking. Happy New Year, and we'll see you out on the road. We will. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Anita. Jessa, always fascinating. I know we're over time. Um, yeah. pr promise to keep to these times, but uh, <laughs> love that discussion and really love the uh, the concept of that we ended with, which is service. I think we need to keep totally on that because it's something we're seeing rear its head quite a bit today um, on the vendor side. Yeah. I mean, I work with vendors all the time, as you know, and we talk about product, 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 but almost more important, like it's so important, of course, but more important than that is how you service the product. Uh, change management is a lot of that, you know, sort of thinking about the true end user uh, who isn't HR, by the way, there's a lot more that goes into that. It, it does need more conversation. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you so much. I hope you feel better. <sighs> I only had to go off camera once. <laughs> You're ready to go to bed? Kind of, I have more work to do. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. Have a happy weekend. And for those of you who are getting a big dose of winter this weekend, enjoy. Just hunker down and enjoy. Hopefully you have a long weekend in the United there States. There was no stay safe or anything. It's just enjoy. Enjoy it. Stay safe. Stay inside. <laughs> yes. I hope you feel better. Thank you.